Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Welcome back to Maximum Octane, everybody. Joining me today is Mr. Jeff Berman, a dear friend and colleague, and he is an instructor extraordinaire. Is there any other way to explain you, Jeff? Yeah, I'm a legend in my own mind. I got you. <laughs> you are a legend in your own mind, but that's an entirely different episode that might um, include, need to include Dr. Phil or some kind of something else. But in the meantime, you do an amazing job with uh, instructing on leadership and engagement classes and staffing and hiring and phone skills and all kinds of things. And uh, I appreciate you joining me. I asked Jeff to join me today because it is spring training is going on right now and I'm a huge, huge diehard Yankee fan, which will come into play a lot during this as we talk about the need for Yankee fan. How does that work in Florida? Okay, Steinbrenner Stadium is here, and that's where spring training <laughs> well, is. Well, all spring training's in Florida, isn't it? I mean, no, that's like the, they have it over in Arizona and all kinds of other places too. Oh, I yeah, didn't know that. One does not abandon their team because they moved from this state. <laughs> you were... I, I just don't know if, like, you know, you keep that a secret because you don't want to get beat up with Louisville sluggers or uh, I don't know. What, it is not work? a secret. And <laughs> I'm little, probably, I don't know if everybody's not ever been to Florida or doesn't live here. There's probably more New Yorkers and in New Jersey people in Florida than people born well, in you, Florida. So You know that it's the East Coast. You know, Florida is like the assisted living facility for the Northern <laughs> East coast. Okay. So I'm well, sure there's plenty of Yankee fans down there. <laughs> thank you for that. There are. And it's pretty funny because when I go to the games here in the, they're the, it's always packed when it's the Yankees. And I talk to the people that work there and they say the only two times a year, the stadiums are filled up in Florida is when the Yankees, when whatever team in Florida is playing the Yankees or the Red Sox. So um, there's that. But anyway, being, being being a Jewish human, I can tell you that we see Florida as the retirement state. So <laughs> it's fantastic down there. Anyway, not to pick well, up. Florida, I, I one of the jokes is this is God's waiting room. Yeah, they were like, you live in God's waiting room. But here and there, we're here to talk about baseball. And uh, spring training is going on. Opening day is, is March 30th. And being that Jeff is an instructor for staffing and hiring class and all things about that, I thought it would be wonderful to have him come on and, and talk to me. And one of the things that we see in any business, large or small, especially small businesses, is people do not build a bench. So 
we'll get to what this has to do with baseball and the Yankees, but want to explain a little bit about building a bench, Jeff? Well, I mean, I think the best way to explain it is talk about baseball. So, you know, I, I, I look at a bench as very similar to baseball. It's funny you brought this topic up because I actually talk about it this way in class. And so, you know, the, the rules of baseball in terms of, you know, the basics is pretty simple, right? You got to have nine players on the field at all times. If you don't have nine players on the field, you forfeit the game. Doesn't matter what the score is, right? Now, typically, you know, the pitcher is probably the one that's going to be, you know, moved around a bit more than, than any other player. But you've got to have all players, you know, backups for all these players. Otherwise, if, if I don't have a, a backup catcher and a catcher gets hurt, if I don't have somebody behind the plate, game over, right? So in a baseball scenario, a bench is important. That makes sense. I don't want to forfeit the game. Now, the reality is, is that in our world, it's really no different. Unfortunately, we don't forfeit the game, so it doesn't seem as important. So when I lose a player on my team, assuming it's the same nine or whatever the requirement is, right? If I lose a player on my team, the rest of the team pitches in, we figure it out, we get it done, hopefully, right? But that's not a good position to be in, and it puts us in a, in a position as leaders to – maybe be a little bit desperate on who we hire and hire some of the wrong people. And then we go through this cycle of crap because we don't fill our bench. And then in the end, you know, we're, we're continuing hiring the wrong people over and over again. So what I would suggest is we think about this bench in the same way we do baseball, right? And that same urgency we put on replacing someone when they leave, we just shift that urgency to our bench. Because if I have a backup, I never have to worry. And so that's the idea behind the bench is that we, we always have people kind of we can pull from no matter what. And we need to think about it not just, oh, I got someone on my bench. I got an A-tech on my bench. I got a B-tech on my bench. I got a C-tech on my bench. I got two C-techs. I got five C-techs. I got 12 C-techs on my bench, right? And the deeper – and I actually – it's funny. Another baseball analogy. I, I tend to think more about the bench as a bleacher in our world than okay. I do as an actual bench because you want to go back as far as you can. There's there's no limit to the depth, right, of how many people you can have sitting on that bleacher. But well, the they do that in baseball right. with the farm leagues and the you know, all of the leagues underneath, right? And Absolutely. the AAA and AA and all of that. So it, it's so important to have that. And the sports teams get it that they have to always be cultivating talent growing your own, growing them up through bringing them up the ranks so that if they run out of their bench or something happens, even their current bench, then they have somewhere else to go immediately. They know who the next call is, the next player they're bringing up and, and what's coming on. And, and we don't do that. And like you said, then people just chip in then in time and they try to do it. And, and it doesn't ever, it does. I, I don't care how good you are how professional your people are, how productive they are. When you're making up for an entire missing person, you're not firing on all the cylinders. You're not. And, and when you look in the sports world, even, you know, the NFL or anything else, when, when the bench is, is not as strong and, and you don't have that there, then you lose the game. You lose the game. So as a Yankees fan, why I brought that up is, I mean, my gosh, every year we get get to the playoffs, we get to whatever, and then it's like our bench is not deep enough for you to carry us through through when when it really counts. And not that the whole season doesn't count, but it's the same thing. And we see that in a lot of the shops and small businesses as they're like, oh, they're having this great month, and 
boy, we're on track. We're going to have the best month ever. And then the last week of the month, somebody calls out sick or they hurt a finger or they do whatever. And it's like the whole quarter shot, the whole month is shot. Everything that they worked for is, is, is done because somebody's missing and they don't have. So one of the things I, I wanted you to speak on is here's what I hear a lot when I talk to anybody, not even just in our industry, Jeff, in any industry, because as soon as people find out what I do for a living, you know, and that Emma code, they're like, oh, you know. Does Isn't it surprising how similar it is in terms oh, of ev- it's, every, it's everywhere, yeah, right? It's everywhere. everywhere. And, and they're like, well, no, none of my people are leaving. They all love it. They love it. They love it. Well, guess what? Maybe their spouse or significant other has to go. Their parents get ill and they have to go move to another state. Like people don't always leave because they want to or because they don't love you. Even if we put aside, nobody's going to get hurt because younger people think they're invincible and nothing's ever going to happen, right? Older but people think that too. The older people think <laughs> that too. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes there's something out of their control. There's so many times I see, I moved across the country years ago to take care of my grandparents who were ill and just couldn't be on their own anymore and somebody had to. I mean, that's how I wound up starting my shop. And that wasn't anything that I ever planned or was in my life plan of here's what. I loved my job. I loved where I lived. I loved my friends. and But I my family needed me. And so I packed up and moved across the country. So there, there, situations like that happen all the time. So it doesn't even have to be somebody gets hurt or they don't like you and so they want to quit. It, there's so many reasons that somebody has to to, to leave and we're not prepared for it. So here's the thing that I hear the most though, Jeff, is how can I build a bench if I don't have any openings? Oh, okay. So the, the mind thought, when I hear that, the mind thought typically is, well, how do I interview and hire someone if I have no one to, no place to put them, right? Yeah. And so the answer I would always come back with is, well, who says you're hiring? Right? It has nothing to do with the fact that you're hiring. You know, what you're doing is you're filling your bench. And, well, that's dishonest. No, it isn't. Tell them you're filling your bench. Explain what the bench is. Offer them a position on your bench, right? So when you put an ad out, which that's a whole different podcast on why we shouldn't do that. But for this discussion, if, if we're putting an ad out and you're not hiring, don't say in your ad you're hiring. Say you're interviewing. Right. Just tell them the truth. And when they come in and they do the interviews, assuming we do a good interview, different podcast. (laughs) Okay, then, you know, we can start filling our bench and getting people interested. The idea you only have two, really two people on your bench. You have the people that are interested in you, but you're not ready for them yet. And you have the people that you're interested in, but they haven't been convinced to make a change yet. And the real truth is the people you want to hire already have jobs maybe even good ones, right? The ones we end up hiring are the ones that need a job now, which is the ones that can't get employed, which is why we have these problems. So if you think about it from that perspective, I'm recruiting is what you're really doing. And and what I tend to do is, and I'm wondering any listeners that are listening to this, thinking about in a previous life, like years and years ago, either you were or you did recruit. You think about the jobs that you've taken in your life 
How many of them were I placed, I, I answered an ad and got a job or someone told you about another job or you showed up because of someone you knew, right? And there was a connection made, right? That's what a bench is all about. When you, when you left whatever job you had and opened up your shop, there was somebody there that you talked to and said, hey, you got to come work for me. And maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. But that was a bench. That's what you were doing. You were filling a bench. You were doing it by accident. Now we just need to do it with intention. That's the difference. The intention is what gets them every time. It's we 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 like to play. It seems like a lot of people are the victim role. Oh, we can't find any help. I can't get anybody. Nobody wants to work. Blah blah blah. Poor me. And it's like, what are you doing to stop that? And. There's so many I know what things they're that... doing. They're placing an ad that's probably not very good <laughs> and they're crossing their fingers and they're interviewing three or four people and picking the best of the worst, right? The best bad choice they have or worse than that. They only have one option and it's not a good one. And then they hire someone and they go, I hope this one works out. And then how often does that happen? Right? So if we continue that cycle, we're going to continue with those results. We got to change something. We do. We do have to change something. And one of the things that I think people get confused about with building a bench is, so I have this person, I interview them, I tell them we're not hiring, and then what? And so you have to stay in touch with them, right? You have to follow up with them. You have to stay in touch with them. That was the point I was making a moment ago. You got to offer them a position on the bench. Make it important. Look, I, I want you to come to work here, but we're not going to be ready for someone for the next nine months or so. But here's what I can offer you, a position on my bench. And what does that mean? You know, this means we're going to stay in touch with you. We're going to invite you to company functions. We're going to, we're going to, you know, have your family involved in our, you know, picnic we're having next month or whatever. We're, we're going to engage the bench. Maybe we'll assign a mentor whose job it is to, you know, have lunch with them once a month. I don't, we figure out ways because the real truth is, especially if it's someone who hasn't made the decision yet, most of the time when people are leaving, it's not about money. It's about the environment, right? They're not treated well. The tools are old and upda- not updated. The, the shop's a mess. The lighting stinks. Whatever it might be, there's so, the manager's a, you know, a turd. I don't, I don't get along with them. Whatever it might be. And as a result, they're looking for another job. So if if they're kind of on the fence because they've been there for 10 years and even though the management changed, they're, they're still afraid to leave and they start engaging with you and the family starts engaging with you over time, what's going to happen? You know what? One thing's going to happen. It's going to piss them off. And who are they going to think about? You know what? I'm done with this. Boom. But what we do is we get too involved in the, if it doesn't happen now, then screw it. And we got to start thinking, this is a long-term game. This, this is a hat I need to be wearing all the time. This is my job. My full-time job is to be a recruiter. And filling a bench is, is recruiting. I was reading some stats the other day, and some of the athletes in professional sports now, the recruiters, they're looking at 10-year-olds. They're recruiting 10-year-olds that are not even eligible to play until 18 or after you know, some in early 20s, depending what school they go, not school and all of that. But 10 years old, they're going out and they're looking for talent that's 10 years old to be in in major, major leagues of, of sports. I mean, that's incredible. We don't look past five seconds before. We don't do anything of 
trying to groom people to be into our in in our industry and got to we got to start changing all of that besides the bench and and all of that. One well, of now the you're talking about too, training and that's a whole training. different subject. So yeah. we're going to talk about that though for a minute because <laughs> I I know that's an entirely different podcast but we do need to to cover that for a minute but when when you think about building that bench and doing that hopefully you have a five-year budget that you know exactly where your business is going. You know that in six months, I'm going to need this person. In nine months, I'm going to need that person. In 16 months, I'm going to need this person. You know, here's what I'm going to add, a full-time shuttle driver. Here's when I add an additional service advisor. Here's when I add additional trainees, right? And then that helps you build your plan. So when you're talking to somebody about the bench and you're offering them a position on the bench, You'll be able to tell them exactly when that if everything stays the way it is with my current staff, I'm going to have a position available for you in three months and four days or six months or whatever it is so that they could start thinking and adjusting and looking at things as well. And then you can also let them know that if something changes with the current staffing that you might be calling them sooner and would they be okay with that? And we, we have had great success with this. I know it's easy for people to say, no, that's not going to work. It won't work here. I'm too small. I'm too big. I'm too this. I'm too that. You don't know what it's like. Jeff, you don't understand what it's like here. God, I, I wish I could understand. I just don't understand. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's touch on training for just a smidge. And that is an entirely different podcast. Can, can but, I, what, before you go to training, can I just say one more thing about yeah. the bench? So, because I want to make this point, because I think that a lot of people don't see the bench this way. We're talking about the bench in, in terms of new people coming, right? New hires, but there's other people you can put on your bench. And so as an example, especially if we're looking at it in that bleacher scenario, you might have, let's say, a really good C-Tech that, and this goes back to training a little, if we are training our people properly, our C-Tech wants to be a B-Tech, right? And, and our goal is to make them a B-Tech, Right. And so, Jeff, are you saying that our people should have career paths for their internal customers? Oh no, that's not what I'm saying. I would. Never oh, okay. Because I was going to say like that's that. just talking crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there should always there's never a ceiling, right? There's always something next, right? And I should be striving for that, all right? So if if I am doing that, we'll just talk about text for a moment because it's easy to understand. If I'm a C tech and I'm being groomed to be a B tech, I'm on a training program to get me to a B tech, and we're at a, a place where. I'm three quarters of the way. If need be, could I be a backup for that BTEC, right? So a, a, if I lose a BTEC, can I bring my CTEC into that position because he's close, right? And if if so, then my general service guy maybe can move. So I, I should be looking internally as well when their skills get to a certain place, could this person be a backup for that other position? Because let's face it, if I lose a BTEC, it's a whole lot easier to find a CTEC than it would be to find another B-Tech. Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect So sense. I wanted to make that point as well. Anyway, go ahead. Now you can and, ask about training. Well, I, I just, because we're talking about baseball, because I'm excited. It's baseball season. Although, I, here's a whole other podcast. You know, we there's always that saying that people are like, when something goes, whatever, somebody acts like a knucklehead, and they're like, this is why we can't have nice things. For now on, the rest of my life, I'm getting rid of that. It's like, this is why we need bigger bases. But that's going to be an entirely other podcast of why we had to make bigger bases in baseball now. But I'm going to put that aside right now because I'm really struggling 
I wasn't even aware of that. That's hilarious. Yes, there's a new rule. There's an eight-second count this for this year and then some bigger bases. Oh, I saw that with the pitcher. There was a uh, a timer going. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. What? Well, I, I'm okay with that because it starts the clock and then the games are getting done in like two-something hours. But the bigger base – we're going to have a whole other podcast <laughs> on all of this. And, and – I mean, we could tie the, the the pitcher clock on with with the with productivity, right? Like, you know, you have a schedule. You have to be have to have things, and it's sure changing all the uh, the the batters and all their rituals and their their stuff going on. So, anyway, what I wanted to talk about was when when you're watching the game and you are looking in the bench and who's ready to go up, what pitchers are warming up, what catchers are warming up. They, they have all of that happening during the game. And even though they've been playing baseball for years, holy cow, they still train them. They still meet with them all the time. They still make them practice. Isn't that crazy? I but don't even understand that. Wait, wait. Once I'm a professional ball player, I know all this stuff. Why would I have to practice? <laughs> Why? I don't, I don't, wait, 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 wait. I go to the gym. Isn't that enough? <laughs> I, it's just so crazy to me. I eat healthy. I, yeah, I check my weight. I, I, you know, I knew the game. I've, I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah. I'm I on a professional this, ball team now. since I was nine. I don't need any more practice. I mean, that I concept is training. insanity. Why would anyone think that a professional ball team would need to practice? I don't get it. Isn't that crazy? It's just cray-cray, <laughs> Jeff. Just cray-cray that they make them practice, even though they're, they, they've been doing it for years. I love where you're going with this. Keep going. <laughs> so what, what I want to ask is, because I know you're huge on training and always training everybody and you want everybody to look at their business as a training company because there's constant training, but somehow, and especially small businesses in our industry specifically, it's like we get somebody on the counter, we get somebody out in the shop and then we're like, Oh yeah, they've been doing it for years. We don't have to train them anymore. We don't have to practice. They they're, you know, let's take a service advisor, for example, just like these new ball teams. They don't have yeah. to practice either. I get told, no, we don't. <laughs> I, I'm like, are you role playing? Are they as a service advisor, you know, saying out loud the, the presentation before they call the customer? Are they doing it into their phone? Are they whatever and listening, play it back? They don't have to do that. They're practicing all day. No, they're not practicing all day. And if you're saying that makes me even crazier because you want them practicing all day on your customers than your external customers. So Jeff, why is it, do you think that those crazy ball players require someone to train and practice, even though they've been doing it for years, most of them since they're four years old, but we are like, yeah, no, they're, and especially when we're hiring, you know, and, and that, here's why I want to bring up training and practice and all. We are so great. We get somebody, we're like, oh man, I know you get the calls too, Jeff. Kim, I, I, I got this guy or gal I want to hire. I can't wait to get them. I got, I'm so excited. I just, I'm praying they come to work. Why? What are they? What, why are you? What skills do they have? What? They've been doing it for 20 years. Great. Okay. Do we know they're doing it well for 20 years? Is it the way that your company yeah. does things the toolbox for 20 is years? Big. It's all good. It's, yeah. They have a shiny toolbox. It's just crazy. And they just take someone's word for it that because they have, 
X amount of years with experience and that they've been doing it for X amount of years. This really well. goes back to not doing a very good interview too. It does. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about training, but what you're talking about right now is you fooled your gut because you didn't shut up in the interview and you did all the talking. That's what you're saying, right? The one who does the talking is the one who likes the other person, right? So I'm interviewing you. I'm telling you all about what we do and how great it is. And you're going, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you leave going, what? This was a waste of time, <laughs> right? But I'm going, man, I love you because all you did was listen. We do have some folks that like to make the interview about them instead of the person they're interviewing. It's, you know, I, I call it the 90-10 rule, right? We talk 90% of the time. We should be talking 10% of the time. We, gotta, we can't learn anything about the person if we don't ask them questions. And by asking them questions again and talking, that's when they start falling in love with us. We got it backwards. Ego gets in the way. And, and then yeah. we go, oh, my God, this person's so great. Because <gasps> they just listen to you tell them how great you are. So you're going, they're great. <laughs> I, I mean, some people listening are going to go, oh, my God, yeah, that's me. And others are going to go, yeah, you're smoking crack. And hopefully more of them are saying that because they've gotten past this. But this is where we fail in the interviews, big time. We do. We do. And we don't ask enough questions about core competencies. And, you know, it's it's very shallow, a lot of a lot of the interviews. And so when you're building your bench, you have to remember that in today's world, when you're interviewing, people are much more savvy when they're looking for a job today and they can research you on. It used to be that we did all the research and we looked people up. They research you. They research your reviews. They research your website. They research everything before they come to you, a lot of them. so And if they do and they still show up, what does that say? Yeah. So it's important. So those of you that have websites that look like I don't know what and dirty floors and all of those things and on, on your pictures online, remember that that is a virtual representation of your shop or your you know, business. You know, we can't do a two day class in 30 minutes, <laughs> 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 but I see you trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Cause I know that is the number one thing in every industry everywhere that people are, are having trouble finding staff in. And so I just, I have to try to get everything in there. We need just hours. We need hours. We need hours. Let's go back to, to your training, your training example. I, I just want to just throw something out there because I, I love where you're going with this. And you're right that we don't spend enough time with that. And we do a lot of assuming when we bring people in. Right. And so here's here's a quote I'd like to share. I learned myself when watching a, a golf video on Facebook a few months back. And this is what he said. Practice makes permanent. Oh, think about that perfect. I love that. Practice makes permanent. So going back to your statement where you said, oh, we're practicing all the time. Well, you know, what are you really practicing? So I've had 20 years of practicing whatever it is I'm doing in one or two other places before I came here. Right now, just because I've been practicing it for 20 years doesn't mean I'm any good at it. Right, Kim? You got your singing. Example. You want to give them the singing example? Go ahead. Come on. Oh, I'll let you share it. So Kim, Kim, I'll never forget this. She said this to me I don't know, probably five years ago. You know, Jeff, I've been singing for 50 years. I've had lots of practice, but you don't want to hear me carry a tune because I can't, right? No, and, you and will so, never see me at karaoke. For the, for the sake of others, you will not ever see me at karaoke or whatever, but 
I sing every single day and sometimes hours a day. I sing when I'm cleaning. I sing when I'm working. I sing in the shower. I rock out in my car. And to you, it sounds fantastic. I have the best concerts in my car, in air drum and air guitar and all of that. And you don't want to hear me sing. But here's the thing, though. You could say that's been 50 years of practice. And fairly, it kind of is, right? Every day. If you really wanted to be a good singer, what would you have to do? Go to a vocal coach and learn how to sing and breathe and all of that stuff. So practice makes permanent, right? So if we've practiced the wrong stuff for a long time, right, and we bring them into our business, all we did was allow all their bad habits to become part of our business. And the real truth is experience is not necessarily the best thing to hire. Because if we don't take the time to untrain all of the bad habits and make a new permanent, then we're going to have that problem over and over again. And a lot of people listening go, oh, yeah, I can see that. It's happened to me many times. And I don't – I want to try to help you avoid that. And the best way to do that would be to say stop hiring for experience. Hire for the human. You're actually better off hiring someone without those types of experience. You know, I use TechMetric or I use, you know, AutoVitals or whatever I use. Okay, great. Well, so they use it too? Doesn't mean they're any good at it. To them, it might have been just a glorified cash register. To you, it's got lots of value. I'm just like me, just like me singing. Yeah, yeah. It so, doesn't do anything. And, and we, have, we try to avoid training. We say to ourselves, we can skip that part of training because I have some with experience. And the truth is they need to double or triple down on training in most cases. So if you want to have less training, hire someone that needs to learn it. Can you imagine a vocal coach having to untrain me from my shower and, yeah. and my car rock concert? For Would you have been a better years? singer if you got practice at, say, 16 versus at 50? I'm guessing. I'm just going to throw that out there that maybe. But I, mean, I can't I, play a mean tambourine. I, I just got to tell you a quick funny story. So I, years and years ago, I got this wild hair up my rear that I, I'm going to learn how to play the piano because I never – I always regretted not learning a musical instrument. So we had a piano the kids played. I'm like, I'm going to take lessons. So I had a – a piano instructor come in and sit with me for an hour once a week and they'd give me this stuff and I'd play it. It was, you know, the hot cross buns kind of stuff, right? And the house the would go nuts. Yeah, chopsticks. That's enough already. I mean, I practiced for hours. I freaked <laughs> I was, and I, I couldn't get it. I just couldn't get it. And they were like, dad, it's enough. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So finally I had, to, I gave it up and I had to stop. Right. And I was learning really, really slow, right? And and it was in that moment that I realized that I probably should have done this when I was a lot younger. And 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 that's the real truth. That there's so much of our at at a, at a certain age, it becomes so hard to learn these new skills. And if I have some skills, or at least I think I have some skills in that area that I've been doing for so long, the the ability to beat that out of me and get it different is really, really, really hard. And so, you know, and there has to be a willingness. And that's, I think the other thing that when we're interviewing, we miss the the boat because we don't talk about that. And there's sometimes people will hire someone. And the first thing out of their mouth, when I talk to them is, Oh, I I could teach whatever class I don't need to. And I'm like that. Did did you mention that during the interview? And they're like, Oh yeah, I told them. 
when you said core competencies a minute ago, one of the things we should be looking at is adaptability, right? So am I coming in with this hardwired, you know, mindset that's unchangeable or am I coming in saying, yeah, I know the product and I'm sure you'll show me some other things and I'm adaptable to, you know, letting some bad habits go and bringing some new, new ones in. Problem is most of the time we a, don't even look for that in the human. And if we do, we hire them anyway when they don't have it. And because we're desperate because we don't have a bench. So if we rethink this whole process, right, and, and put it back on ourselves, I mean, it's really what this is all about, putting it back on ourselves to change what we're doing and look at it and approach it differently. We're going to get a different result, regardless of what you think may or may not be out there. There's plenty of great humans out there. There may not be plenty of great humans that have the skills you want, but there's plenty of great humans out there. If we start hiring for that, we'll have a whole different experience. See, I'm from New York, so we say humans. Oh, there's a uh, lot of humans out there. Humans. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say there weren't humans. many. I thought you were going to say there weren't many of them in New York. <laughs> That's oh, why you no. went to Florida. <laughs> I had a couple kidding, detours. I had a couple detours before I got to Florida. Well, Jeff, as always, it's a pleasure. But it starts with a bench. Let every time you see a commercial for uh, spring training. The controversy on the, the eight-second eight clock and the this is why we need bigger bases now in all of baseball season, which for some of you think it goes on forever, uh, is think about building your bench and the, and the importance of it because it, it starts with that. I mean, it starts before there, but we don't have enough time to talk on that about culture and appearance, blah, blah, blah. But you've got to start building your bench. You have to. There, there isn't... Bleacher. Bleacher. Well, bleacher, but your bench, bleacher. Jeff wants to say bleacher. Your your teams, your your under teams, your, 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 your farm leagues, yeah. <laughs> your farm leagues, all of that stuff. It's just it's so crucial, and that is going to be everybody's downfall in in the next couple of years. Is is the staffing that you hire or cannot hire because you're not doing anything about it, and and that is going to be. It's not the economy. It's not the inflation. It's not COVID. It's not any of those things. That your downfall is going to be the lack of your bench and and being prepared for that, because that is an asset that we we really need to be be working on. So please think about that. Well, as always, I'm trying. To, I'm envisioning you playing chopsticks and hot cross buns right now. Are there videos of this, Jeff? No, thank God. <laughs> no videos. Okay. I'm considering trying it again. Can you believe that? I do believe it. And maybe now in your life that you're not raising small children and doing all those things. They're not in the house to complain time. anymore, right? Yeah. You could just make all the noise you want. Now that I'm 10 years older, I, I'm sure I'll be way better at it. <laughs> follow your passion. It's never too late and you're never too old to follow your pa passion in your heart. So, But now I, I understand more it. about the cat playing piano reference all the time. So. Everybody, stay safe, make good choices, and stay inspired, and we will be back next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. 
You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can. Thank you.